Coming soon to a theater near you, it's The Equalizers, a weekly podcast where two idiots drop a cinema sibling in the lap of a perfectly content solo film. My name is Mike Knoll, and... Oh, sh- shit. Guys, I'm sorry. Hold on. I, I totally forgot that we were doing this today, and I didn't call Madison. I'm going to need to... Just give me a second. Equalizers to Madison Jones, calling Madison Jones. It's time to record. Equalizers to Madison Jones, calling Madison Jones. It's time to record. Over. I'm going down! I was carrying a lot of dynamite. Oh, sh- oh no, you were on the dynamite run. I was on the dynamite run. Um, but it's okay, because my ghost is still good to record. Today, oh, God. So, so from henceforth, <laughs> canonically, Madison Jones has died. Yeah. And, and I'm recording the ghost of Madison Jones. Yep. If you don't think I'm going to refer to you as the ghost of Madison Jones, then you are a fool. <laughs> we do love ghosts here. We do them a lot. I'm just trying to stick to our theme. Yeah, but I'm putting I... it in my in the copy, the introduction copy. Okay, we'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'll probably forget by next time. So prequels, as you probably guessed from that very obvious introduction, <laughs> and the title of this episode, and the title of this episode, we're doing Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow. The hit. I don't know what you'd call it. Sort of like it's not steampunk. It's not. It's a. It's an homage and like a love letter to like the 1930s comics, like action yeah. pulp comics and novels and stuff. Like it hits every genre too, which is one reason I really liked it. Yeah. I thought it was, um, to be frank, somewhat boring <laughs> in in my. It, yeah. And I, I, and I say that just because I think the story was lacking somewhat. And the character interactions were the same every single time they were on screen together. And like. <laughs> That is very true to the source material that they yeah. were like homaging, and a lot of reviews that I found that I didn't take because they weren't very like funny mm-hmm. were basically like, "This is a very like threadbare plot and characters." And to be honest, I think that they needed to make it even more threadbare and really focus in on the action. Yeah, and- if if they took it a step further, where it was just them. Like you said, more threadbare, where uh, it almost became like a bit that they were doing in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, then I think it would have been good, but they never. It was just the same jokes over and over again. It's like, oh, yeah. Sky Captain and Polly uh, used to have a relationship. She's given him shit. He's given her shit, and obviously they're gonna kiss at the end. <laughs> yeah, and like I guess Polly is. I don't know, she basically just is a nag the whole time mm-hmm. and doesn't really do much. And I, I like that at the end when they're on basically that helicarrier with Angelina Jolie, we get the break. Like she, this is all like a, she's like putting on the front of yeah. this. And I like that as an, as an idea, but I think they waited way too long to like give us that little glimpse because for most of the movie, she's just like yelling at him. Yeah. And not really doing much else. Yeah. Like, useful to the adventure. And again, that's um, correct with the source material that they're coming from. But it just kind of sucks. It's kind of, it's pretty backwards. <laughs> well, and the thing is, like, 
what I had a problem, and maybe we should do the synopsis before <laughs> we get sure. too far into it, but like there's a character named Frankie, played by Angelina Jolie in this, and her and Sky Captain clearly had a thing at one point or still do. Like, I don't, it's kind of hard to tell. But Polly and Sky Captain also had a thing at one point, and Sky Captain ends up with Polly in the end, even though they're just arguing the entire movie. Not leading to ever that they actually generally like each other, more that they're just putting up with yeah. each other. Where it seemed actually like Frankie and Sky Captain had an actual connection and that mm-hmm. they actually did like each other and that they were in a relationship of, or some of some kind. There is one thing that I want to um, talk about, and it's a little out there. Okay. Are you aware of the Mandela effect, the, the principle of it? The idea is that there are people who claim that they remember things that aren't true. So like an example given is uh, the Berenstain Bears versus the Berenstain Bears, mm-hmm. like the spelling of it, whatever. There are people who are like, no, I remember it being this way. So the theory is that they've slid <laughs> to, like somehow through a crack into an alternate dimension. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I swear to God, Ewan McGregor was Sky Captain when I was a kid. Really? Like, I remember him <laughs> on the posters. I remember him in every promotional thing about it ewan mcgregor was sky captain this was right after like one of the star wars movies he had the obi-wan beard ewan mcgregor was sky captain so i started it's like oh man i can't wait and it was jude law and i was like okay so like does he die and ewan mcgregor no ewan mcgregor is not in this movie at all now i will say later when i after the movie when my mind was like what is going on i looked it up and i saw some promotional posters and i was like okay this does look familiar so i don't Mm -hmm. think it was the mandela but like for a minute i was like what? Ewan McGregor is Sky I mean, Captain. Jude Law, it's Ewan. Jude Law and Ewan McGregor are somewhat similar in like the roles that they take, I think. Sure. And um, I would say they look a little bit alike, um, um, for sure. Um, so I, I can definitely see that miss, uh, like. Yeah. I, I, my, my point is, I, the beard. I remember mm-hmm. him with the beard on the posters. Do you remember him in just like a robe and with a light sword just going through this movie? You know what? Yeah, oh. that is. Yeah. He's got a light sword. Uh, there's another guy with like a longer mullet. Yeah. Uh, black swans in it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> black swan. Uh, uh, um, the right, kid from so... Jingle All the Way is in there. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie. Now, for the record. <laughs> Jamie. That was Phantom Menace, and you and McGregor didn't have a beard. That's true. In that one, so I'm we, just I don't want the nerds getting at you. Yeah. Well, you you were talking about Qui Gon Jinn as well, so I was no, I was talking about Hayden Christensen. Oh, sorry, wrong wrong mullet. Podcast over. Wrong mullet. <laughs> wrong mullet. <laughs> the classic case of the switched up mullets. My favorite Sherlock Holmes story. Yeah. <laughs> So, do you want to... <laughs> okay. Um, synopsis or reviews first? What do you think? I think reviews. Alright. So, I like this movie. Like I said, I kind of wish there was less plot and character, so they could focus a lot more on the, like, two-fisted adventurer yeah. thing, and the cool, uh, like, super science island and spaceship. That, that's, and... and that's my, that's my like, critique of it. I'm like, they had so much cool stuff. It's just that they didn't do cool stuff with it. <laughs> right. And like the Polly thing where she only had two pictures left within like 
wouldn't take any pictures because she only had two left. I wish that they had done more of a countdown with that. Like the whole trip, she had like six pictures for the whole trip, and it was her like having to decide what was going to get. And that happens kind of super late into the movie, too. Yeah. So, like, the stakes aren't, like, felt, like, throughout, yeah. like, the whole movie. Um, right. It's just... Have her have that picture thing as, like, her her arc, her thing. Mm-hmm. And then Sky give Sky Captain, like, a small, like, very easy plot arc to do. Yeah. And then let that be it. And don't try, like, these very, like, oh, but this and also this. And, like, five different character things meshing together. And also and... just, like, the most, like boring romantic plot ever yeah like that just didn't work okay so uh i pulled some reviews from rotten tomatoes that's right fans daddy's back with the rotten tomatoes <laughs> daddy's tomatoes yeah it's time for that's your favorite section of the show daddy's tomatoes daddy's tomato <laughs> god okay uh this first one's from r trabian p who gave this movie a half star I I can't. I just, this movie. I have literally watched this movie a dozen times and fell asleep every single time up until the 13th. Thank you, coffee. It's so boring and too unbelievable. It took me completely out of the movie every time I gave this story any critical thought. As a period piece-like movie, I like The Phantom way more. Damn it. The Phantom sucked! <laughs> um, I... I love it when reviewers or critique, like anyone who critiques anything mm-hmm. and when they're like commenting on something that is somewhat fantastical science fiction or fantasy wise, and they say the words, this movie's just too unbelievable. Madison and I went to college together and I took a writing class there and I wrote just kind of ridiculous stuff that you just like, you pick up the story and it's like, okay, obviously like I wrote a story about, um, about a clown who comes home and finds um, an unblown up like balloon animal balloon under their bed and he thinks that she's cheating on him <laughs> and he finds like a bunch of clowns in the closet and he kills them with a rolling like a juggling pin oh god puts them in the trunk of his car takes them to the circus and feeds them to the lion to get rid of the evidence when he comes back it turns out it was a surprise anniversary party oh my god one person put at the top of their review, like we did group reviews, one person started their review with, I couldn't really get into the story because I couldn't tell if it was uh, the world is all, or the world is all clowns or it was clowns all like, in the real world. What? And I feel like that's like this review of this movie is like, <laughs> well, listen, I picked up a movie about a space, about an airplane pilot who fights super science and it just wasn't believable enough for me. Yeah. I mean, the wings on the planes actually flap. I yeah, mean, well, come on, let's let's give this movie like some credit here that they're doing something here. <laughs> there's tentacle robots. There's uh, an island of like fantastical animals that that guy like made. Yeah, he's shrinking animals down to put them into a space rocket that he's going to launch into space to start the, a new world. And uh, there's a person that is a very successful photojournalist, and it's very lucrative for them. Yeah. Last review, uh, John K gave this half star. Turd alert. <laughs> go ahead turd alert wow (laughs) did this movie blue i want to know who voted for this garbage end of review voted i don't know (laughs) is this 
was it up for like an award or something? Like they, I don't think I, so. I doubt this movie won awards. No offense to Sky Captain, but I, apparently it was a flop when it was in theaters. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I remember I remember seeing the previews and thinking like this looks so cool, and then it turns out that like it wasn't. Mm-hmm. But everything that I'm look I've looked at it like people in retrospect really like this movie. It's been kind of like a cult classic status for some people. It seems it won some awards, but nothing like probably for cinematography and visual. Well, stuff. but like. They won a Golden Schmo, or was nominated for a Golden Schmo Award. That sounds like uh, Razzie's Award or something. It's nominated for a Hugo Award, which is yeah. MTV Movie and TV Award. So there's like some stuff, but I don't, it looks like it, it won the Las Vegas Film Critics Society Award for Best Visual Effects. Yeah, that's that's the thing. This movie's beautiful. I think. Oh, like yeah, from, it is gorgeous. From, from beginning to end, it's cool. It has that sort of, if you've never seen it, uh, listeners, it has that mm-hmm. sort of Sin City vibe to it and i think they shot it similarly to how they shot that movie where the actors were in like cgi environments and stuff all right so that's the end of reviews that's the end of daddy's tomatoes daddy's tomatoes done daddy's (laughs) tomatoes are squished (laughs) this is jack he's single hey this is rob he's also single i'm so alone Jack started listening to OK Crusader, the premier Marvel dating podcast. Wow, I love how they used the random page on the official Marvel wiki to discuss and rank the dateability of various Marvel characters. Rob did not start listening to OK Crusader. Do you think I could get a discount if I buy the Fleshlight used? Thanks to OK Crusader, Jack may still be single. Hey, wait, what? But at least he's had a few good laughs along the way. OK Crusader, wherever podcasts are found. So um, we've, we've talked a lot about uh, the contents of the movie, yep. so I should just jump into the synopsis, I think. So in 1939, a scientist on a Zeppelin named Dr. Vargas is in transit to deliver a package that contains two vials. He hands these vials off to a carrier, and then Vargas mysteriously disappears. We then meet a reporter named Polly Perkins, who is investigating the disappearance of missing scientists. During her investigation, she is given a mysterious package with a ticket in it inside, asking for her to meet the sender at a movie theater. At the theater, she meets Dr. Jennings, the intended recipient of Dr. Vargas's package. Jennings warns Polly that he knows that he is going to be the next missing scientist, that she is investigating and she asked him i think she asked him like why does he know that and then in the middle of that the city is attacked by a fleet of giant robots which the city's protector sky captain attempts to defend uh defend the city in his airplane uh his super science airplane but not too much avail uh but he does end up destroying one of the robots the destroyed robot is then shipped to a scientist on sky captain's base known as dex Polly follows Sky Captain there and says that she wants in on the investigation and whatever this this robot scientist thing is. It is then revealed by Dex and the Sky Captain that these robots have been sprouting up over the course of a few years and that Dex has been studying them ever since. Polly leads the captain to the home of Dr. Jennings, who has just been, has attempted, just been murdered. attempted murdered. I mean, 
it was. He they showed up right after the. I, I'm not sure that grammatically up. has just been attempted murder. Is no, I'm just, I like that. That I just like that you use attempted murdered as I, a like compound verb, yeah. which probably isn't a grammatical yeah. thing either. No, I'm a writer. You know, I yeah, we're we're, th- we're thought smiths, not wordsmiths. We're thought smiths. <laughs> uh, Joe, mm-hmm. Sky Captain. Attempts to chase the assassin, uh, but to not much success. Uh, meanwhile, the dying Dr. Jennings hands off the vials to Polly, who keeps them a secret from Sky Captain. I think, remembering back, because I wrote mm-hmm. this in retrospect, this is where he reveals the name of Tokenkoff, yes. the mm-hmm. villain, um, and the mastermind of the robot attacks. So, to fast forward, while this is happening, Dex mm-hmm. is captured, and the whole base that they were on before is attacked by the same assassin and a fleet of robots and dex reveals uh or investigates and he finds out that totenkoff's base is most likely in nepal jill and polly go there to investigate with the help of frankie a commander of a base in the sky i think like Uh, more 1930s World of Tomorrow, like Helicarrier kind of design, like from Marvel Comics. Yeah, sort of like the uh, floating base uh, that Nick Fury has in the Avengers movies. And like Nick Fury, Angelina Jolie also has an eye patch. So, you know, and they help they help Joe and Polly go to the island and they discover this kind of like rich sort of forest world that has all these animals in it. Blah, blah, blah. They get into the base. They rescue Dex. And they kind of reveal Totenkopf's plan. And it turns out the two vials were... Somehow people? Somehow Like he's going to use them to make people again. Yeah. And they're the two vials that are going to go on the ship or not go on the ship that he's going to blast off into the stratosphere. And it's going to do something and the rest of the world the impression i got was that like it was very complicated it was like told in like a scene and it was kind of hard to follow exactly what was Mm going to happen i just knew that like he was going to blast a bunch of animals into the sky Mm -hmm. to save them or to kill them he's gonna blast his cash he's gonna blast his cash of animals so what i understood was that he was like he built an arc so that he could start over on a different world and mm-hmm. so the vials were somehow what he was going to use to create humans again. And that, like, when he launched the second stage rock, whatever, the thing that was going to propel him into space was going to then, like, incinerate the planet. Was how I understood yeah. it. But, uh, okay. Yeah. Like I said, it was very quick. Yeah. There was a blueprint and a bunch of scientists, one of them German, explaining what was happening. <laughs> Blah, blah, blah. Sky Captain and Polly go into the ship and they stop it from detonating the other rocket that's going to destroy the planet. Sky Captain punches Polly in the face at one point. It really sucks. Yeah. And that, the movie kind of ends with the, them kissing on the The punch boat. in the face thing was like he was he was going to go do the suicide mission and she wanted to come. And, and like I'm not making excuses for it. I, I just it, it's not like he got mad and punched her or whatever. It was no, it was a uh terrible terrible plot device of him knocking her out so that she couldn't go on the suicide mission with him which two seconds later she wakes up his life is in danger mm-hmm. then she's there and punches him in the face mm-hmm. back like yeah it no I, like i just a- meant like when he said he punches her in the face which sucks like yeah it sucks but it wasn't just like 
you know, oh, mm-hmm. he punched her in the face. Like, it was like a James Bond movie, like Sean Connery movie, yeah. where he just punched her in the face because he's a piece of yeah. shit. I mean, he kind of is, but... Yeah. I yeah, mean, he yeah, is yeah. kind of a piece of shit. But yeah, the movie ends, uh, Polly and Sky Captain kiss, and probably, like, the legit funny thing where Polly uses her last shot to take a picture of Sky Captain, and he's like polly and she's like you should yeah. you don't have to say any i like i know what you're gonna say like very like with like love in their eyes and then he says yeah and that's Lens the end of the cat. movie like that's the last thing which i, I actually did laugh at that like yeah it is funny i think that plot i think we talked about it a little bit that plot with the two shots thing is actually yeah. really good it was just used really so polly had like a bunch of film with her and she ended up losing it except for the camera she had around her neck which only had two shots left on it and this was like halfway through the movie there's a lot of scenes of her like going to take a picture of one of the really amazing things that they're seeing, and then she like uh, looks at it, sees she only has two shots, like puts it down, and then when they're on the I- uh, animal island running, she accidentally takes a picture of the ground, so she's only got the one shot left. And I knew what was going to happen. I knew that she was going to take a picture of Sky Captain, like that was going to be how she used. But I liked the little twist at the end that she forgot to take the lens cap off. <laughs> yeah, and it was funny, and that's the last moment of the movie. Then the credits roll, and it was it was good. It kind of reminds me of an ending of like a comic or something. Oh it's yeah, kind of like a brief, brief release, funny bit to end, like really take us into the, the ending. Anyway, all with all of that said, um, I think we should talk about maybe a little bit about how this is going to work because our format is a little different with the pitches this time around. Uh, we're doing something a little bit different. Me and Mike have had this idea for a little bit to do a trilogy where one of us does the prequel to a movie, then the other one does the sequel. Taking to into a movie. account the events of the main movie and the prequel. So whoever does the sequel yeah. is building on the main movie and the pitch for the prequel. Yeah. In whatever mm-hmm. way they can. And uh, we had the idea to do Sky Captain for a while now. It just got pushed back a little bit for various reasons, but uh, we decided to do it. And so for the first time ever, this episode, this inaugural episode, we're going to have our first yeah, prequel did on it. the show. I know you've, you've been waiting for it, guys. I know you have. And lucky you, it's me who's doing the yep. prequel. Chose to give me the heart job, as usual. Yep. And all you need to know, I just did the synopsis, but all you really need to know for my prequel is that Sky Captain Flies Planes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Polly's a reporter. Dex is a scientist. Frankie has an eye patch and is a commander of like a ship. That's all. None you of these characters know. are going to be in Madison's pitch. You just need to know that information. Yeah, yeah. So, with that being said, let us begin. We open on a worn-down garage in a suburban area with obvious unnatural holes in the siding and scorch marks on the outside of it. The point of view starts out from an unseen person's perspective who is stealthily making their way from some bushes near the garage to one of the holes uh, in the garage at ground level. So they're looking into the garage through one of these is unnatural Is this Conspiracy holes. Neighbor from Invisible Dad? Yes, it is. It's also a crossover. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but no. We see through the hole and into the interior garage. In the garage, we see a small boy, about probably six (laughs) years old, um, in a jumpsuit with his hair slicked back, tightening a bolt on a machine that is out of view. We then hear a, we then hear someone say the word click. 
the word click, we don't hear a clicking noise, but someone whisper the word click. And the boy with the slick back hair then turns towards the hole and whoever was on looking rushes off. He is about to go investigate, but is interrupted by the garage door opening. And we see a shadow of a man standing violently in the doorway. So it's Ooh. kind of like you can't see who it is, but their whole body is shadowed by the light standing behind them. I like that. Yeah. I, I, I said oh, valiantly, still, but... Valiantly still is very good. But, but yeah. Um, they're just they're just like juggling chainsaws. <laughs> <laughs> um, the figure then walks forward, and we see that this fig- figure is actually not a man, but uh, the perspective was making him mm-hmm. look larger, and is actually a little boy uh, wearing a brown leather jacket, a flyboy hat, and a long scarf that is blowing in the wind. The boy in the doorway then says to uh, the boy with the slick back hair, "What's the status, Dwex?" I hate you. Like, I knew it was Dex. It's the, the voice. Dwex, a.k.a. Dex, uh, the boy with the slick back hair, then replies, We are nearly a go, Captain. The little pilot then walks forward and takes a look at the ma- machine and says, It's a real boot. Oh, a okay. Butte. A boot, says Dex. Then that means there can only be one name for it. And then little little, little Captain then looks at little Dex and nods. We then see the person peeking through the hole uh, in the wall blush slightly. Let's light this candle, says Dex. We then hear a loud roar of an engine, and then we see a small miniature biplane emerge from the garage and start down the driveway. From the outside, we see uh, the little girl, who was previously the one from the bushes, now emerge and is unhidden. She looks about six years old as well and is blonde and is wearing a child-sized rain trench coat. And a large brimmed hat, a la Carmen Sandiego-esque. Mm-hmm. She's holding her hands up as if she is holding a camera and is saying the word click, click, over and over again. Lil Dex sees her and runs over to her and says, No press, no press, this is a secret mission. Lil Captain makes his way down the driveway in the plane with the propeller going. The plane is aimed towards a ramp at the end of the driveway. As it gets closer, both Dex and Polly brace for the worst. Although seemingly impossible, the miniature biplane hits the ramp just right and takes off into the sky. Dex and Polly are seen jumping and hugging with glee on the ground. Little Captain in the sky looks down and waves at them. He flies over the suburban town. In the distance, we see a large city with towering skyscrapers that Little Captain looks on with hope and wonder. We then hear a radio go, And then hear a voice say, Joey, I mean, Captain, do you come in? The captain then takes the radio and says, reading you loud and clear, ready for phase two. He then turns around and undoes a a string at the back of the biplane that releases a long banner that hangs at the back Mm -hmm. of the plane. The banner reads, Lil Captain and the World of Yesterday. And that is the title of the movie. I think during this moment, we hear a slight, like, Peanuts-esque piano music that plays. And we see, like, the opening credits and the names of the actors fly on. It's just all of them dancing around a piano. Yeah. At the end of the credit sequence, we see a tiny glimmer of light in Mm -hmm. the sky fly down and then separate into four different Mm -hmm. pieces. And then it kind of Mm -hmm. fades out into black. Then a title card comes on the screen with one word. It says conquest we see little polly sitting in her room at her desk in complete darkness 
we see her scribbling on a piece of paper. After a few moments, the light in her room turns on, and her mom enters the room. She yells, Mommy, no! No, my pictures will be ruined now! We see the pictures on her desk that are drawn in crayon, and they are actually pictures of the events that we just saw in the previous scene with a sky captain and Dex and him in the Mm -hmm. sky and everything. So uh, what she begins to do after uh, she realizes that her crayon pictures have been exposed to light, she starts drawing on them with black crayon. She's like, look, they ruined now. Mom, what are you doing? Her mother then tells her to uh, calm down and then reveals that it is actually Polly's birthday Mm -hmm. today, which Polly scoffs at and tells her that she doesn't have time for a birthday because she has a major scoop she is working on. Her mother then reveals that she has a present for Polly. Polly then uh, picks up a little bit and whispers, a camera, a camera, please be a camera. (laughs) And then her mother reveals the present behind her back. And it is a set of artist pens of various sorts. Artists out there would probably recognize these as like Sakura Micron pens. Now, this would be pre-World War One. Would they have had those pre-World War One? I mean, it's a fantastical world, you know. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, you gotta so... be, you gotta be accurate with your, you know, with your props. Nah. Or else you're gonna have nah. Trabian P on your tail. Oh God. Her mother then mentions how much she has enjoyed drawing lately and thought she'd really enjoy these. Polly smiles, but is sort of like a fake smile because she's a little bit crushed. She then goes to her mother and accepts the gift. Her mother then leaves Polly in her room sulking. It's quiet for a few moments, and then we hear a voice fill the room. If you seek recognition, put me on. Polly then looks around the room and sees nothing at first. Polly then looks around the room and sees a small greenish glow on the windowsill of her room. She goes to the window and sees a glowing green bracelet. And she has this sort of contemplation period that I didn't really sure. feel like writing. <laughs> Just like, should I put it on? Blah, blah, blah. But these, this object, she feels sort of drawn to it. And she ends up putting it on. And she instantly feels sort of inspired. And there is a call in her mind to draw something. She looks at a stuffed bear on her bed that has an outfit that is a Sherlock Holmes detective type mm-hmm. garb. You know? Polly's eyes then gloss over and her hand starts scribbling maniacally with one of her new pens on her piece of paper. Uh, Within seconds, she has produced an exact one-to-one portrait of the bear sitting on her bed as if it was a photograph. Polly gasps and then smiles and then looks at her less adequate scribbles of the day's earlier events with Dex and Captain. And then she tries to remember back to the shots quotes she took Mm -hmm. earlier in the day and attempts to draw those as well and she makes one-to-one from her memory those moments that she has trying has been trying to capture in her scribble drawings so um uh with glee she brings one of the pictures to her mom who is ecstatic to see her daughter already using the gift that she gave her she is even more astonished to see how lifelike the picture is and how Mm -hmm. good it is Polly starts to go on like, I know, can't you believe it? Joey was flying in a plane over the town. He's like six years old and he was doing this. Uh, And her mom responds smiling that she says, yes, it's such a nice picture and you're very creative. She then mentions that is Joey that little boy from down the street that she has a crush on? And Polly kind of scoffs at her mom. Oh, she's completely missing the point of why I'm showing you this. And she's like, oh, mom, you don't understand. And just walks out of the door. Her mom then shouts out. Be home by dinner. 
Polly figures out that if anyone is ever going to uh, recognize her journalism and praise her for it, uh, that she needs to report on something real, real like a crime. So she sort of loiters around a convenience store that she in town um, until she, uh, someone eventually steals mm-hmm. something. She knows it's going to happen at one point, so she just kind of like waits in the store. And I think she's loitering long enough that the store owner thinks maybe she is stealing stuff sure. herself. <laughs> but the whole time, Polly maintains this superiority, sort of like authority persona uh, to the store manager being like, carry on, sir. I'm here for your benefit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this like little girl in like a trench coat and a car mm-hmm. and like a big brimmed no i love ordering the store being like hey i'm here for you okay it. after what seems like hours of waiting a teenager comes into the score that happens to be the store owner's son the son seems sort of like a uh sort of like a maybe jock mm-hmm. type that has like a leatherman jacket on the son and the father talk for a little bit until the father goes into the storeroom being alone now Besides the weird six-year-old that keeps peeking behind the aisles, very obviously, the son begins to steal candy bars and even takes some cash out of the register while his father is away. Polly catches him in the act and says, click, and then quickly draws a picture of him behind the register stealing. The son then leaves without saying goodbye to his dad. The store owner then comes out and Polly presents him with a picture of his son stealing the money. The owner looks at it in disbelief. Polly shows sadness on her face, probably due to the fact that, that she is delivering very sorrowful mm-hmm. news to this man. Then the store owner smiles and says, what a beautiful picture of my boy. I'm going to hang this up right here. Thank you so much, little girl. <laughs> Polly then tries to explain to him what it really is, but he dismisses her saying that she has a pretty wild imagination and that this boy would never do such a thing. Uh, and then he goes back to work peeved polly storms out of the store and throws the bracelet on the ground in rage exclaiming for pete's sake this thing doesn't even work (laughs) and she walks away we then see the bracelet glow for a second and then float in the air and then head straight up into the Mm -hmm. sky the scene then fades out a new title screen comes on war single word war a young frankie is seen riding her bike over the hill sorry did you just say and frankie I say okay. a young For a Frankie. second, it, you said that quick enough. It sounded a little bit like you said Anne Frankie, which, I mean, we don't know her. I guess Francesca, they say, or someone's her real name, but. Is that Anne Francesca Jolie? A young mm-hmm. Frankie is seen riding her bike over the hill very fast. Even as a kid, she has an eye patch. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she's wearing a, a leather mm-hmm. jacket. She's kind of clearly some, somewhat of a punk kid. You know, like punk a is her somewhat aesthetic, a, a six-year-old punk kid. She makes her way towards her destination uh, faster and faster as she pedals. She lets out a few exhausted cries. I'm going to be late. I'm going to be late. I can't be late. At an intersection, a light turns from green to yellow, and Frankie pedals even faster. Just when she is about to enter the intersection, the light turns red and she stops suddenly. She lets out a long, defeated sigh as traffic passes. In the next scene, we see Frankie arrive at her destination, a baseball diamond, where there are a plethora of families getting settled into their seats. Before she runs in, she pulls out a baseball cap from her backpack and puts it on and turns it backwards. She finds her team, who are waiting with crossed arms, along with everyone else at the baseball diamond, just waiting for her to arrive. Apparently, they were holding the game for her, 
her team are dressed in blue and red baseball uniforms with a Union Jack patch on the upper Good. left hand breast. She apologizes, um, but some of her sh- team gives her shit for being late still. Now in her baseball uniform, she takes the field with her team and she actually takes the pitching mound. We see a montage of moments from the game with some great pitchers dealt out by Frankie, but some bad plays as well. During the montage, we see Frankie facepalm every single time she pitches into the wrong mm-hmm. zone or uh, she gets uh, she someone hits the ball, but one of her team weren't paying attention and just like lands right next to them because they're little sure. leaguers. <laughs> they're just picking at grass in the in the outfield, mm-hmm. you know. That's what I did when I played baseball. I wasn't paying I was attention really at all. good. So I was all right. You were. Um, we see her frustration in the dugout during a break and um, starts knocking over helmets and hats onto the ground. Uh, the rest of her team leaves, including the coach, being like, okay, <laughs> as they are very frightened with her. When she's alone, she's just like, man, there's just so many stupid small mistakes that cost them the game. Little things that like could easily have been missed just because of we weren't paying attention and sits down and sighs. As she sulks, a small glowing object appears on the edge what? of the dugout. Wow, what are yeah. the odds? I know. Frankie doesn't notice it at first, but she does once a strange voice calls out. If it is foresight you seek, put are me your on. your powers combined? Yeah. Frankie walks closer to it and sees it's actually a small lens, sort of like an eyeglass mm-hmm. lens, about the size of her eye patch. Frankie, uh, much like Polly was, is drawn to the lens and puts, oh, when she grabs it, she seems to know exactly what to do and puts it behind her eye patch. That's another, like, contemplation section. I just didn't sure. feel like writing. I'm like, okay. So it's like a monocle, it basically? or It's, yeah, yeah, but it goes right, right. behind oh, yeah, your yeah. eye patch, so you don't really I, see it. I just it. wanted yeah. to, for, uh, just for my own, you, you're saying, like, lens or whatever, I just, but I, so, but basically yeah. like a monocle without the chain or anything, like, it's just, uh, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So she puts it on and then she looks out onto the field and sees the coach of another team making his way over Mm -hmm. to a cooler. The lens then activates and then she sees uh, a pop can liquid explode out of the top. And then we cut back to what she's actually looking at, which is present time where the coach grabs a soda, opens it, and then it explodes all over him. So this lens gives her the power to see shortly into the future. Frankie is amazed by this ability, but even more so, she is determined. Her and her team take the field again, and she takes the mound. She goes to pitch at the first batter during this next round uh, ahead of her, but before she does, she uses a lens and sees the pitch that she was going to throw, and that it would have been hit near one of the outfielders and they would have missed it. She decides to pitch a faster one and see what happens and she ends up striking the batter out. We then have a few more instances of this, and we see her using the lens in mm-hmm. different ways. Sometimes every outcome comes to them actually hitting the ball, and she isn't able to get it past them. But in those cases, she screams at her team beforehand uh, to move to precise positions on the ball field, be like, just go there, just be right there. Both the teams, both her team and the other team, are astounded by this. During the batting takes for her team, she even uses the lens to tell herself and her other players that they should choke up on the Mm -hmm. bat more or, like, reposition a little bit. At the end of her game, her team obviously wins, and Frankie is praised by her team and the team's families. So much so that they crowd around her 
at the end and raise her up over their heads and have a whole cheering session. During the cheering session, one of the people's hands accidentally gets up under the strap of the uh-huh. uh, eye patch. Okay. Like around her head, not yeah, like yeah. in her it's eye, but sure. like around her head. That was just, yeah. it's still a weird like visual of, but uh, yeah. carry on. Yeah. <laughs> so it gets up under the strap of the eye patch and the lens falls out and then gets launched into some undetermined direction. Frankie panics um, and then has them put her down. Uh, she frantically looks for the lens, but to no avail. It just seems to okay. be gone. Then that I have a ends. question, and this is Frankie has two working eyes, right? Like the eye patch is just for to look cool. Um, yeah, I, I mean it's not discover it's not discussed in the or the mm-hmm. movie. How she I lost don't think. her eye. Yeah, but I think it is to like. So is there a point cool, like when she's throwing her tantrum in the in the dugout, she like whips off the eye patch and throws it to or whatever? So we see that like, I don't know. I just I, I like I always like when people are wearing like somebody's got an eye patch and then at some point they like lift it and reveal that it's just like for show. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think it's just for like her her punk sure. aesthetic or something. Sure, you know, punks love pirates. Like canonically, <laughs> you heard it here. You heard it here first, folks. Every punk that you know in your yeah. life, just get them pirate memorabilia. Copies of Peter Pan, specifically. Yeah. And if we want to, like, make it logistically, like, to, like, the story uh-huh. itself, maybe it helps her focus on pitching. Just, like, when you aim, you, like, kind of close one eye. Canonically, so, I, in maybe. my sequel, spoilers, I'm going to have it revealed that she actually doesn't need to wear that eye patch as an adult. She stole it from an air pirate. Like she killed okay. a, an air pirate and took his eye patch as a trophy, or it will at there least be canon. I don't know if I'll reference it, but it will at least be canon via my sequel that that is. <laughs> it's established now. Yeah. Even you buy if you the don't companion book to our our trilogy. It's revealed. Yeah. So at this point, I um I realized how long uh-huh. this was going. Like I have these very. Long, I had the big opening yeah. scene, Polly's part, and uh, Frankie's part, and I'm like, if I write two more of these, okay. it's going to go on for a long time. But I think what I could use your help okay. with um, is mainly just like briefly doing two more little bits with this sort of sure. like idea. Dex and the captain get one of these items. One of them has yeah. to be famine, and the other one has to be death because those right. are the four. Like lore, horsemen uh, of the apocalypse, horsemen of the apocalypse. Correct, because I do have an ending to this that I'll okay. say at the um, end. So we'll start with famine. Sky captain would be death. I feel like logically. Yeah, I had like a, a brief idea that Dex might be death, and he does some sort of like pet cemetery shit or something like like mm. weird science, like okay. Frankenstein stuff. That could work. But I also I could also see Dex doing famine and him create some sort of replicated like food thing or something or he's attempting to like maybe he's attempting to like double the food or something and he actually like destroys a food source or something i think it would be more in the peanuts our gang like little rascals vein. i think maybe it's like he goes to make a sandwich or something and every time like the fridge is like keeps it's empty or like whatever, it empties out the fridge or something. I think that the stakes are low, lower than he wipes yeah. out a food source. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I meant that in sure, a yeah, broad yeah. sense, but uh, like, I was thinking maybe, what if it's like a lemonade stand, okay. and he somehow makes like endless lemonade <laughs> or something? 
he doesn't have to keep making um, more. Yeah. So okay. So what if? Um, so what if at the beginning, Sky Captain kind of crash lands the plane, and they need to like okay. raise money for new parts, and so Got Dex it. is doing a lemonade stand. And I think then you can okay. split that story. So Dex is doing Lemonade Stand, and then Sky Captain does something else to try to raise money for mm-hmm. new part for more parts. Um, yeah. All right. So I like Lemonade Stand. I think that's that's very. <laughs> I like that your prequel to this like two fisted airplane adventure is basically an episode of Little Rascals <laughs> with aliens. Yeah, I mean that's exactly <laughs> what I was trying to capture because no, I was thinking of like oh old. I was just trying to go to something sure. different. Like, I thought you were going to maybe old, do like, them like high thing. school or like college or something. And like, but no, I'm digging. Yeah. I'm digging that you went back to these like older comics as well. Like, okay, so mm-hmm. Lemonade Stand. So what's the item that he gets? Do you think it's like a rock that he puts at the bottom of the lemonade thing? Or Well, everyone else has been kind of wearable. And it has to do with true. what it's vaguely had to do. Like the foresight one was something for the eye. So, yeah. All right. So he's making a lemonade stand. Is it like, hmm. I mean, obviously it'd be like a ring, some kind of like yeah. necklace. Um, what if like what? the ring, like any anything he touches like duplicates? Sure. Or he, it could be, or something like that. you know, when you, they always say if you do like lemonade stands, whatever, you should put some like money in, in the jug already. And so mm-hmm. what if it's like a coin that he finds? It's okay. like he like puts it in with some like other pennies or whatever to do that. And what if the pitcher just like refills itself, but at some point it starts over refilling? Like maybe okay. every so often the pitcher refills, but if it's a slow day, the pitcher's just overflowing and like it's like lemonades going fucking everywhere. There we go. What if every single time it refills or every single time the thing works, it doubles the thing yes. it did before. So they, he does this lemonade stand. And he does it a few rounds, and he keeps having to get bigger mm-hmm. pictures and everything. It's not a problem at first, but every single time he runs out, it just like keeps gushing. He needs like a tank, and then he's like dipping like a ladle in this tank, and yeah, then yeah. like he has like a swimming pool, and maybe it like destroys the lemonade stand. It finally like breaks bad, and it washes all. The That's money what I was away, gonna say like, too. The, the like gutter. the money, or at least that coin or something because yeah i don't they he, he gets some of the money but i think that coin also it seems kind of like um like in lord of the rings the, the like the ring it wants to get lost or like it's making its way yeah. somewhere like the, the coin is trying to get away after it at some point um yeah i think that's good i think that's i think that's enough okay. for that uh, period so death and captain i think it's a death to captain death to uh, the captain. okay so death so he's trying to raise money for parts as well. Maybe his is more showy. You know, like he's going to go, not like perform, like street performer. But yeah, Dex is very much like the business and Sky Cabin is like, no, I'm not going to sell that. Like I'll go perform death defying feats or. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah a like stunt a kid, man. kid death defying feats. I think it'd be funny. It's like, I'll walk across this board. Right. That's four bricks in the air. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's good. So, like, a stuntman thing where he's trying to raise money by doing street performance mm-hmm. acts, I guess. And this one maybe is, like, dog tags. Like, a dog tag-looking like necklace. I don't know, something that he would put on for this act. Yeah. Something that's mm-hmm. cool enough for him. Yeah, okay, so, like, the dog tags. And I think he does, like, oh, he does, like, the brick thing. And then, like, 
people aren't really paying attention. It's like, oh, that's just a kid playing. I'm not going to give that kid money for playing. Yeah, I think some people know? do a little bit, like, but I mean, yeah, yeah but like, Maybe just more like, of like, oh, that's adorable. Most people are just like, this mm-hmm. is stupid. All right, so what does the dog yeah. tags do? What do the dog tags do? I think it makes him not die, well, yeah, right? Or I like mean, not like he's gonna yeah. if he falls off some bricks, it doesn't mean he's gonna die. But I think he scales up and he does like maybe he jumps like off of a swing and like into mm-hmm. like a tree and then he's like ta da I'm perfectly fine. What if <laughs> you know um, or and then eventually he's jumping you off go a with the classic. Um, every time he like falls and gets hurt, somebody else takes the hurt instead of him. Ooh, it's mostly like skin to knees and stuff, but like, yeah, uh, the step on the crack breaks your mother back sure. or something. He steps on a crack and somebody else's mother breaks their back. <laughs> yeah, but that whole thing is sure. like, oh, if you do this, it's getting transmitted somewhere else. So he starts to see that maybe during the brick one, he falls and like hits his knee a little bit, and. Maybe Dex is there on the way to his like limited mm-hmm. aid stand, and when he hits his knee, Dex like just instantly like falls. He's like shit. Yeah, <laughs> like, was, and he like drops his limited. I was thinking also stuff, just like onlookers, passersby could take the hit too. But yeah, 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 I like that they're together at one point. And all right, so then how does yeah. he lose the dog tags? I mean, he could do something really fucked up and like do something actually death-defying, and then it legitly gets transferred. That's to pretty else. dark. I mean, for your. It's pretty dark for a kid. Yeah, for your little rascals. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so let's not do that. I mean, I think he accidentally hurt someone, though. Uh, He, I mean, he could just fall and they could come off. It's not a, during some feet or whatever, they fall off. What if it, like, expands to he is, does actually do something pretty dangerous. And he jumps off of maybe a plank into some Mm -hmm. leaves. Um. Yeah, and like a swimming pool full of a classically leaves, you know? dangerous <laughs> stunt. Yeah, but the plank is maybe like fifteen feet up or something sure. like that. And yeah, that's probably enough. <laughs> Where all these other kids are like paying money to like come in and like see this dude do this thing, and as he's falling, the dog tags mm-hmm. fly off and go into some direction, sort of the like others. the uh, mm-hmm. the Frankie one. And he does fall, and he. He like breaks sure. his arm or something, or like he like he gets an injury, but it's not like okay. deadly. Yeah, I like that. I think that's good. Yeah. So I think that you yeah, think yeah. we're good with that. Okay. So after that, I think maybe they have like one scene where like nearly everyone joins. I don't think Frankie knows them because Frankie definitely doesn't know Polly in the movie. So maybe they have a scene where they join together or something, and then like they get the money to like repair the plane and uh, Polly, Dex, and Sky mm-hmm. Captain. <laughs> I uh, like fly off into the sky and then it like fades out and then it fades back in and we see a pod land in a bay and a robot much like the ones in the first movie has a package and uh, they take this package to a person who is in a study a man who is looking out of a large window out into the bay the robot enters and hands the package to the man and says that the experiment has seemed to be unsuccessful and that the children rejected or just straight up lost the implants after some time the man turns around and it's clearly totenkopf lets out a sigh and tells the robot that uh, they must move on to their next plan and start launching the robots and that they must continue to work on the shuttle 
We then see him turn back and look out into the bay where we can see the partial doomsday rocket from the first movie gotcha. being built. Wait, in this city? Or is this like way far away? Okay, This is so way far away. Okay, gotcha. Cool. Yeah. There we go. And that's my that's First my pitch. Little captain in the world of yesterday. Alright. Um I think it's good. I like it. I admittedly exited the movie pretty uninspired, and I'm like, I don't know what to do with these characters. They were barely developed yeah. during the film. Like, what am I going to do to predate them? And then I was like looking at like older stuff. Like I was thinking of Peanuts, but I was also thinking of mm-hmm. like our gang and stuff like that, little rascals and just like little like small stories that would work. Oh, yeah, it's fine. You know? I, I think that so. you... I like I, said, I like that you did go to, like, older uh, mediums. Like, it wasn't just like a, oh, let's make up kids and do, like, goofy stuff. It really felt like a Little Rascals uh, kind of deal. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think that that works really well. Um, yeah. So, I think you did it. I think we did it. Sweet. Well, I think that's credits on another episode of The Equalizers. Madison Jones, tell the people where they can find us. The people can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and all other places podcasts are found by searching The Equalizers. All those uh, podcast mountains that you climb, you'll find us right there at the peak waiting for you. Wherever you store your bubble bath to put into your tub to soak in that audio soup. (laughs) Wherever... Wherever you, whatever vineyards you find your podcast at, we're always the best vintage. I don't got no. Uh, <laughs> you can contact with us on Facebook and Twitter at the Equalizers. Gmail Equalizers at gmail dot com. We have an Instagram. It's the underscore Equalizers, where we try to post a little teaser the Thursday or Friday before the new episodes come up. And congratulations if you got this one. Uh, you can also now find us on Rotten Tomatoes at KingDwarf69. And also be sure to check in next week where Mike is going to read me his pitch for Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow for the sequel to it, uh, incorporating my yeah. pitch. I don't know. Some of the episode. pre-thoughts I had I need to re- rework now. My original title I'm not sure is going to be useful. But uh, we'll see. I believe in you. I have every bit of confidence. Special thanks on our opening and closing music, Rock Thing. Go to Creo. You can find their work at www.creo-music.com. We'd love it if you would give us a review. Five stars would be awesome. We trust you and we love you. Probably still. Smooches. Smooches. So, for the Equalizers. I'm Madison Jones. Turtle alert! (laughs) to be continued.